Hey guys, if you enjoyed this episode, please support this podcast by going to talkmurder.com slash join and becoming a Taco Supremo. A recent Google review from Sheila states that the Blood Mountain in Georgia is, quote, absolutely beautiful, peaceful, and puts me in a complete serenity. Now, I'm no hiker myself, but from the thousands of landscape photos posted by random adventure seekers, I can certainly see the charm. Rushing waterfalls, boulder formations overlooking breathtaking scenic views, cute and cuddly black bears just searching for their next meal. I get it. 24-year-old Meredith Hope Emerson also fell for the allure of this Appalachian awesomeness. A longtime hiking enthusiast, growing up in Colorado, she was well-equipped to handle all that Blood Mountain could throw at her. However, on January 1st, 2008, it wasn't just the black bear stalking this blood mountain. And as Meredith started out her four-mile hike with her black Labrador Ellie, serial killer Gary Michael Hilton hunted for his next prey. Hey guys, before we start, a big shout out. We got a new Taco Supremo. Lainey, L-A-I-N-I-E. Hey Lainey. just in. Hey Lainey. Yeah, just in. She is from Seneca. New York? I-L. Illinois. Illinois. She is from Seneca, Illinois. Thank you so much for joining Lainey. I cannot wait to get to know you and be sure to go to our private Facebook group and her forum and request some stories, maybe some hometown stories from Illinois there. I think um, John Wayne Gacy is from uh, Illinois, Chicago, Illinois. And I wish I had some more John Wayne Gacy stickers that I could send you, but unfortunately we're out of serial killer stickers at the moment. So, but maybe I'll draw a picture for you. Well, Jen, tell us about this cocktail. So this is a cherry limeade and... Like from Sonic? Kind of. Oh my God, that is really good. That does taste like a cherry limeade. Mm-hmm. So what it is, it's the Smoky Joe. Oh yeah, it does taste cherry limeade. Just like it. It's uh, it's Smoky Joe's Cherry Moonshine. Um, I threw some of the cherries that are soaked in moonshine in there. I cannot wait to get to those. That's a good drink. Thank you. Um... And every time I see a red drink, I think of the tomato drink y'all made on episode that was awful. three. Also, you sent us that yeah, recipe. Yeah, you made us make oh. that. We literally had to juice tomatoes, which I didn't know was something that was possible. No. Also, if we had picked the drink, we would have just made Bloody Marys. Yeah. I'm just saying. I'm With just the saying. Vodka. Yeah. Um, so it's a Smoky Joe's. Oh, I already said that. Smoky. Well, I'm just going to go through the list again. Smoky Joe's Cherry Moonshine with the cherries. And then we got some whiskey sour. Well, not whiskey sour, but sour mix, sweet and sour mix. And topped off with some natural lime flavored White Claw. That is, I was a little worried that the moonshine was going to be super strong. Mm-hmm. This is one of my favorite drinks we've had in a long time. Yeah, it's really good. And I think what cut it is the um, sweet and sour mix mm. because it it takes some of that yeah. um, toxicity mm. out. Surprise shots. Surprise shots. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. 
Oh. Dude, I am not drinking this <laughs> shit. I'm not drinking this shit. I'm not drinking it. What? You have to. D- dude, if I, I have to, you have this to. This is absinthe. I'm, why would I drink this? Absinthe and sour mix? No. Down the hatch. Absin- I mean, why would you do that? Because we need. I needed to get creative. Absin- that's not creative. That's just... Absinthe and... You don't drink absinthe like that. You, you got to mix what it. What was I mixed with? Ginger beer. Oh. All right. Tonight we're drinking moonshine. Yeah. So obviously... Are, are we going in the hills tonight? Going in the hills. Yes. Are we really? Yes. Not the West Virginia hills, though. Uh, the North Carolina hills where popcorn Sutton is? We're kind of going to the North Carolina hills. Who are we talking to about popcorn Sutton? We were having a very in-depth conversation with somebody to everybody recently. about popcorn Sutton. <laughs> oh, I remember this. Was this after the show that we were talking about it? I put his video in the show, the last live show, the Greenville think- show. Oh, the last no, live show I mean, was in Charleston. I, yeah, I know. I feel like we were talking about it in um, with somebody after the Charleston show, maybe. All right. Tonight, we are going to the mountains. And this kind of overlaps with a story that we did recently. The Appalachian Mountains? Yes. Okay. I just want to be clear. So, Tennessee are other mountains. Oh, no. Yes, the Appalachian Mountains, which runs from where, Nicole? Georgia to Maine. Have you ever read the Bill Bryson book, Walking in the Woods? I know we watched the movie. No, I have not read the book, but I did read Wild by Cheryl Strayed. Awesome book. What's that and that about? made me want to go hike. She hikes um, a good portion of the Pacific Northwest Trail, um, which is a big portion from California up to Washington. And it was after her mom died, and she's kind of going through, you know, she does it for, like, emotional cleansing. It's a great book. Was that the movie that Reese Witherspoon did? Yes. That was a good movie. Also, there's also the movie that Robert Redford and... That's Walking in the Woods. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So tonight we are going to the Appalachian Trail. We're actually going to start with a little bit of dialogue here. This is from the questioning from the police to the killer of tonight's story. So you guys are going to read a little bit of this conversation, and then we're going to really start the story. So if you want to do an accent, Jen, think toothless. (laughs) (laughs) What was the one accent that we did that was like, it was like Oscar gold? What was it? It was like, you were like an old lady. It was fairly recent. It was the Walter Collins story. You have too many teeth to do this accent. (laughs) Think of like... um, (laughs) She's like already like gumming her teeth out. (laughs) Okay, here's the perfect one. Think, and this is true with this guy. Okay. He grew up in the mountains and then his family moves to the glades in Florida. So... (laughs) All right. That type of guy. All right. You know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's talking actually through his gums. So you can, the air. It's the whistle. The air pressure is coming through his gums. Make a right on Dawson Forest Road. Go to Shoal Creek Road, which becomes dirt. There is several gated roads off to the west side. They're gated and the gates are closed and they're designed as trails. They are heavily used equestrian trails. I believe it is the first road to the left. Okay. To make sure you're on the right road, 
immediately go to the north side of that road. On either side of Shoal Creek is a sign that says no bicycles beyond this point. How far down the road? Go down the road about 50 yards, and it's going to be off the (laughs) south side on the left side of the road. The body will be. Okay. (laughs) That's good. This is hilarious. Also, like, he's very goddamn specific. (laughs) I mean. Well, he grew up in the mountains. I know, but he was like, all right, 50 yards down this road to the left, and then there, right there. He is yeah, precise. Yeah, he grew up in his mountains. You know what this drink is tastes this like? Is Popcorn Sutton to no, getting these directions? <laughs> a landmark for that would be the trail. It's a double blazed where two trails come together. One is lavender, and the other is gray. Okay. Okay. The body will be approximately 40 yards or 120 feet. It's covered by the leaves and the brush. You said the body is down there on the left of the road under some leaves and brush. Under just a pile of leaves and brush, but not buried. Okay, is it wrapped in anything? No, it isn't. Is it clothed? No, it isn't. Is it intact? No, it isn't. You want to talk some more about that? <laughs> this is so great. So I'm assuming this country bumpkin finds a body while he's out in the woods. Should I go to the next slide? Yeah, no, this is great. But I just want to ask. So, so this does, is the killer. He's describing where oh, he oh, left. Oh, he's the killer. He's, oh, I forgot about that. He's describing where he you left the body so the police can go to the body. So this is the killer. Oh, I, I, for some reason I was like, oh. I know you said that, but you're in my reading mind, the cops' dialogue, and uh, Jen's reading the killer's dialogue. I for you said that. I apologize. Okay, read this last slide again because it goes into the next one perfectly. Cherry limeade is like my favorite thing. I do ever. love it. Nicole, read the so, damn oh, slide. Oh, oh sorry. I was like, <laughs> she's just really appreciative of this drink. Like, I love in how a relationship you, with this re- drink right now. I love how much you love it. It makes me feel good about my life, oh, as opposed so to like half an hour ago when I was like, meh. Is it intact? No, it isn't. You want to talk some more about that? (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jen, here we go. I feel like that's exactly how I, Nicole, would ask that question. (laughs) You want to elaborate? All right, go ahead. Okay. The head will be missing. Where's the head? (laughs) (laughs) To locate that. Continue north on Show Creek Road, and I believe it will be about the second gated road, approximately half a mile on the left. The road is on the ridge line, and it's got a gate across it. You're going to need a dog for this, I believe. The yeah. Academy Award goes for Jen Collins for John Perry's family. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, so guys, the story tonight is actually parallels to a story that we've recently covered. I don't know if you guys remember going up to uh, the North Carolina Asheville Mountains, the Pisgah Mountains. Oh, yes. We did do just do a that? case. Do you, the, uh, do you remember yes. the girl's name? Smith. Judy, Judy Smith. Judy Smith, exactly. Yeah. I always want to say Susan Smith, but that's a different case in South Carolina. It's yeah. somewhere where I want to punch someone in the throat. That's yeah. that case. Yeah. On that case, do you remember when we interviewed Savannah... On that case, mm-hmm. she said that um, 
she saw many rumors online and speculation that her murder, Ju- Judy Smith's, if it was a murder, we don't actually know. Oh, yeah. There was yeah, a serial killer. There was a serial killer. So who, was, to, who was working at that time, which I kind of love that expression. Yeah, it working. seems really... Yeah, like it's an, like it's, it's a kitschy, career it's path. Yeah, yeah. He was working at that time. I see that in in every true he's crime doing book. He's a stint there. Yeah, he's working in the area. Yeah, he's working like there. a freelancer. I yeah. like it. It's they, like people they who call are freelancers when you think about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I saw a really I saw a really funny meme online this weekend, and it was something like um the burglar is going to the un a burglar goes to the unemployment office and seeking unemployment because he can't rob anybody because everybody's home that's funny (laughs) (laughs) that is kind of funny yeah well it's kind of if you think about working for instance i don't want to jump into this guy's mo but he does it for financial you know he's robbing the victims Mm. so you know he does kind of it's kind of working yeah he working that killer that we talked about on the judy smith missing episode and i can't remember what episode that was but i know it's a few back from this one so if you want to listen to it anyway we had talked about that maybe just maybe and not confirmed but it could have been the work of a serial killer and that's the guy we're talking about tonight we're talking about a serial killer and his name is gary michael hilton ah is that how you decided you wanted to pick this case you know no 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 right honestly for tonight's case you know it was uh the weekend and i've because I, I struggle picking cases all the time. It's got to be a case I really am interested in. And I was like, you know what? I just want to read a really good book. And I'm always reading. So a new book hit the uh, shelves and it was about this case. I didn't know oh. it was about this case when I started reading it. I just saw that it got really good reviews. And let me go ahead and tell you what the book is tonight. Do you ever look at the new releases and literally judge them by the cover i judge every book by the cover i do it's kind of funny that that was like the lesson that you learned growing up and that is truly how i pick books yeah i put books by the cover (laughs) no doubt about it if you don't have a good cover then i mean you're done if we were books do you think that people would read us fuck no (laughs) i don't know Anyway, <clears throat> I think people I might read so. me. This like, is... I, I would have to, it would have to be a picture of me like in one of my unfortunate event moments, and then maybe people yeah, would read yeah, my yeah, book. Yeah. So look at this cover; it's pretty good. It's called "Those Days in January: The Ooh, Abduction Child, The Abduction and Murder of Meredith Hope Emerson." Ooh. This is a very sad case, and this is actually from the detective John Cagle. John Cagle grew up in a small town in North Georgia. He joins the law enforcement. He was the lead investigator of this case right here. And actually, the book is really is really well written. And I definitely recommend it for any true crime readers out there. And it's, it's not filled with a bunch of fluff or anything. It's basically this guy named John Cagle. He is about to retire. He's got like three months to retire. And so it goes through... The retirement process and he tells you know his exo or whatever hey let, give me a light workload while i'm going into retirement anyway this case pops up on his desk and this is his last case before he retires oh, wow yeah so and it's the biggest case he's ever worked wow so give me a light, light case yeah <laughs> i'd be like later i'd be like that fucking asshole that would be me dude <laughs> 
I would say that, and they'd be like, "You just started. <laughs> you just you've been here two weeks." <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? Your contract is for another six years. Yeah. <sighs> now I want to say with this episode, we are going primarily off the book. I'm not going to talk about Hilton's other murders that happened prior to Meredith. Meredith, the body that he was talking about, was when he was in custody. That is his last murder. Okay, no. okay, okay. Oh, this, this was it a child? No, it's not a child. She's okay. 24. I or mean, she was 24. It's still sad she's young, but like, I mean, and also it doesn't matter what age you are. If you get murdered, it's sad, but... It's- yeah, and I'll talk about this, but the guy's MO is financial. I'm a take you hostage so I can try to get ATM money. So kind of opposite of the granny slayer. Yes. Where we, he just, I don't know, was hired by the KGB. <laughs> and so we're only focusing on Meredith's case. He has killed others. I believe he's killed four in total. And he did get tried for those after they caught him for the Meredith case. But tonight I'm focusing mainly on the victim Meredith and we're going to kind of go more in detail about her and who she was and stuff like that. And I, I don't mean to gloss over the other victims because I'm they're also important, but the book mainly focuses on Meredith because that's the case that John Cagle worked because the other cases were in Florida and this one's mm-hmm. actually in Georgia. Okay. But like we said, the Judy Smith, that was in Asheville, North Carolina. Yeah, right. But we don't know if that's him or not, but he has spent a lot of time in the Pisgah Forest. He did kill someone within a, a very short, small, rather mile radius of Judy Smith. We did yes. know that for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it doesn't sound like, I mean, obviously we haven't Different really MO, started. Different Because yeah. Judy Smith had her wedding ring and stuff there. And her clothes on. And money. So yeah. that was an, MO doesn't necessarily head. match up. And I don't know if also that's, true. well, that was also 10 years prior. And I'm not sure that that's. Even the same guy. No, I the, actually learning more about his mo. I really liked it when we talked about the Judy Smith case at first. Oh, I like, thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say that you liked his mo. No, I liked. I, like, I liked that it was a possibility. Like it was po- probable that it was the same guy. But now that we're learning more about this serial killer who was working in the area, um, he it doesn't seem like it's a fit at all for the mo on Judy Smith. Yeah, like Which, I said, but uh, at the time when we recorded, I was like, "Oh yeah, it's a serial killer. Probably makes sense." But now that we're learning more about the serial killer, it doesn't really. Well, make you sense. might you might change and that now stance. that Judy Smith is about to go drive me crazy again. You you're, you might change that stance, okay. and okay. you'll see why. There's a four and a half hour interrogation video that I'm putting on talkmore.com. Did you watch every second of it, uh, dude? Honestly, no. I skip forward. This the guy, one time you haven't watched it. It's, it's so. This guy is so illiterate, effing annoying. Oh, oh really? And like, he how just so? talks and talks and talks and talks. So let's continue with the story. I know the opening was, you know, kind of entertaining or whatever. But like I said, this is actually a very tragic case. How old is this guy? Because I'm, I'm getting the. I, you've planted popcorn sitting in my head. So I'm. I feel like he's in his like sixties or seventies, but perhaps that is inaccurate. This guy is uh, older. I think he's sixty-ish, maybe a okay. little older. Okay, yeah. so that's not totally far off. So the victim tonight is Meredith Hope Emerson, and we're going to kind of go through some of what her friends said about her. I obviously 
am going off what I read, but you can kind of think of her, and this is from my opinion, as an old soul, you know, kind of, she's not flashy, she's not at the parties and stuff like that. She's in chill. fact, In fact, mm. she actually, when she got abducted, was January 1st, and the night before she had went to a, you know, her friend's party and party. stuff, she left to beat the post-New Year's traffic mm. type of person. She's yeah. very sweet, and she's obviously Sounds beautiful like if you're looking. Do. Yeah, um, she's very cute. If you can see her pictures at talkmar.com. And it's a very sad case because of that. She was, you know, an excellent person, you could just tell. So this is her black Labrador. So cute. And he actually survived this incident because God. she goes hiking with him, and, and her name is uh, Ella. And there was actually a run, like a um, 5K or whatever, devoted. It was like Ella's run or something like that. The dog? Well, to to honor Meredith, obviously. Aww. But the dog, the dog survived and was adopted by Meredith's parents. At first, this wasn't a murderer, per se. It was a missing person. And we are going to Blood Mountain, which Ooh. is... Well, that's a freaking ironic name. I know, right? Why is it called Blood Mountain? So the reason it's called Blood Mountain, that's a good question, is because some believe that the name actually comes from a battle between the Cherokee and Creek ah. Indians. The the mountain, as you're looking right now, is sort of reddish. Mm. Here, check this picture like out. Like from the foliage? Yeah, exactly. Check this picture That's out. That's kind of like Sleeping Giant Mountain. You see? Ooh, should we make oh, it? pretty. Oh, yeah, it's really pretty. It looks pretty. like Sleeping Giant, but it's but kind not. of reddish, you know? It's oh, got a red tint. very pretty. I love so, some fall foliage. Now, what you're seeing right now is the note that she wrote to her roommate when she was going on a hike. So she was going on a hike. This was January 1st, 2008. This is in the Georgia mountains. And from John Cagle, the lead investigator, he remembers that morning very well. And he called it, and I've heard this term quite a bit growing up down here, but a quote, Carolina blue sky. But mm. it is January, so it is the mid-50s. It's gorgeous out. It's gorgeous out, but it's nippy. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if nippy. you guys know what that word yes. is. I wonder if they it's have... It's a tip bit nipply, yeah. but we got to make the breast of it. Is do the, Did the word nippy arise from it being with your nips? Yeah, so... Standing no, out? no. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. When you get cold as a nippy. female... Your nipples protrude. As a, it happens when you're a dude, too. When I, did I ever tell you about my uh, high school history teacher? No. He was also yes. the baseball yes, coach. Yeah. yeah, so this guy would sit all the females in the front of the room. And the last AC. Yeah, he actually got fired. That's probably good. a good thing. He also probably should have gotten, you know... Sexual harassment yeah, charges. Yeah, yeah. If, if that was happening today... Woo! But you can't oh, prove it. It would be a sex of registered sex. Maybe he offender. just wanted the females no. in front because he likes the way they smell. Oh, because <laughs> that's like fifty <laughs> that's, times that's better. better. <laughs> I'm such a pig. <laughs> Is that I'm a no so filter lucky. comment? Or all right. So the night now is 2007. All right, uh, December 31st. Yeah. Hopefully, we hit 2021. Here's it, hoping it doesn't go to December thirty second. Like what is it? <laughs> like what? What if twenty twenty one is worse? Oh my god! I was just saying that to somebody. Like, how do we know twenty twenty 
one is going to be better than this year. That night, December 31st, 2007, Meredith and her boyfriend, Steve Seegers, they go out partying. And like I said, Meredith doesn't seem like the party party kind of girl. But, you know, it's kind of like what we did last night. Go out, have a drink or two. She actually leaves. And this sounds kind of like me because of the post party traffic. She wanted to get home to her apartment that she shared with her roommate before all the drunk people, before Jen starts driving. Yeah. She actually makes plans with Steve the next day. It's actually pretty sad. And guys, um, make sure you always talk nice to your girlfriends because at 11 a.m., Steve talks to her on the phone. This is the next day, January 1st, 2008. And he was, quote, terse and short. I don't mm-hmm. know. They weren't really fighting, but it was, he was, uh, he was just aggravated. He was being a dick. He was just aggravated, you know. And but that's, For what reason? Uh, yeah, whatever. He was PMSing. PMSing or whatever, but maybe he had the man flu. But you know, it's sad because that's the last time he ever talked to her was being like that. So, guys, try uh, try to you know at least fake that you're happy. She talks to her boyfriend on the I was phone. Just, <laughs> I was like, hey, do you want to try that? Or she talks to or her you boyfriend. Could just be nice to everyone. She talks to her boyfriend Steve on the phone at 11 a.m. That was the last call. He actually called at 2:40 p.m., but she was already held captive by uh, the serial killer here. I'm putting in some quotes from Gary Michael Hilton throughout this episode. So if you want to go ahead and read this, Nicole, or whoever. So if you want to go ahead and read this, this is a quote from the killer. The Blood Mountain Trail is a good place to hunt because it's the most used hiking trail in Georgia. It's a three and a half mile hike up to 1,400 feet. And I'm amazed at the number of people that do it. But you see, it's a good place to hunt that you have a huge selection, but it's a bad place to hunt because, well, too many witnesses. Is he saying hunting as in people hunting? Yeah, Yeah. people hunting, yeah. All right, so what you're looking at now is the Google Earth, uh, the Blood Mountain. So you see where... uh, It's like an intersection. Yeah, so where it says Blood Mountain right there, Mm -hmm. do you see it's kind of... uh, It's pavement right there. That's the parking lot. So... That's the approach trail. You would park your car there. Just like any mountain hiking trail like that, there's a parking lot. You park your car there. So her car was found there, obviously. Mm. We know that she was abducted, but at the time, they didn't. They just thought she was a missing hiker. So here's kind of the timeline for that. Shortly after noontime, Meredith and her black Labrador, Ella, they arrive at the mountain parking lot. Shortly after that, another hiking enthusiast named Bill Clawson, he actually spots Meredith walking alongside with an older gentleman, which is Gary Michael Hilton. Hilton. Let me go ahead and show you his photo because I know you guys want to see it. Yeah, so I'm dying to know what this guy looks like. This is your bachelor. Oh, less hairy Hmm. than I thought, but definitely as creepy as I thought. Yeah, very creepy. He literally looks like the, the devil. one with the beard is kind of how I pictured him. Actually, but, no, I pictured a longer beard and some long white hair. Popcorn son, is who you pictured? I mean, he's hmm. he this... looks like Anthony Hopkins. No, what? Yes, no he does. Way. In that picture, he looks like because he's got white hair. I'm not... No, he looks like Anthony Hopkins. He and he's looks... a white man. I don't understand. He looks like him. he looks nothing like in Anthony that picture, Hopkins. In that picture, he does look like Hannibal Lecter. 
You're on meth. No, I'm on Kratom. You gave it to me. (laughs) (laughs) So she meets this guy on the trail and they start chit-chatting? Yeah, and as you'll see from the interview in a second, he also has a dog and they kind of meet up and he's just some old, old man, you know, looking for some attention. You know what I'm saying? He Mm -hmm. just wants someone to talk to. That's what he kind of comes... I mean the fact that he the fact that he has a dog would would make him less creepy I guess yeah that would disarm me it would disarm me but I wonder how her dog reacted to him ooh yeah Uh, that's a good question the dog I haven't saw too much about his dog or where it's at now but I know its name was Dandy okay so a little bit about Blood Mountain it is part of the uh, Chattahoochee way down yonder in the Hoochie Coochie Um, Hoochie Coochie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Way shit. down yon in the hoochie coochie, in the Chattahoochee, it gets hotter than the hoochie coochie. We laid rubber on the Jordan asphalt, got in a lot of crazy, but we never got caught. Wow, who wrote that? Is that Alan Jackson? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking Carol King. <laughs> well, Is it Alan Jackson? Yeah. He, was part, he was part of the Alan Jackson fan club. Oh, when he was I forgot. Everyone's a part of that when they're growing up, so screw you. <laughs> Oh my God. Part of the Vogel State Park, second oldest in Georgia since 1931. This was right after the Great Depression or during the Great Depression. And they were trying to build new parks. This was part of um, who, whatever president's FDR. new deal. FDR. His new deal, mm-hmm. which was actually pretty smart because he built like all these recreational parks. Yeah. But it and was it, actually Teddy Roosevelt who made sure that that parks were going to be preserved. One witness that saw Meredith walking with this older man, obviously Hilton, said she was wearing a lavender zipper jacket and black exercise pants. There was actually another hiker that seen her alive, and this is Seth Blankenship. He later finds the two water bottles, doggy treats, a silver hair barrette, barrette? Barrette. Mm -hmm. Barrette, sunglasses, and a police baton, which was... Ooh, which is pretty weird because you don't a lot of people don't carry a police issued baton. They carry mace yep. or something or maybe a taser. But a baton is was yeah, it one of strange. the batons that's like the 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 one that's already out or is it the no, one that the you extendable. can like, oh, I need yeah. one of those. What you're reading now, Nicole, is from the Atlanta Journal Constitution dated January 4th, 2018. Minutes earlier, Blankenship saw a weathered, toothless man with a sheathed police baton walking near a pretty young woman carrying that leash. He thought they might be a father and daughter, but Blankenship, a former cop, got a gut feeling that something was wrong after finding the odd assortment of gear. He started asking others if they had seen anything strange. Now, I don't want to talk bad about this guy because he did come out to a... uh one newspaper that I was reading about the guilt that he feels still currently for Mm -hmm. letting this go. He has this gut feeling, but he didn't do anything about it. But so I don't want to talk bad about it because I know he, I mean, he's got to live with that for the rest of his life because she's dead, but it is what it is. You know, that's just how things work. Uh, Here's another witness, Bill Clawson. This is actually from, this is from the same paper here. Bill Clausen, another hiker, had 
Minutes earlier, Claussen, who was with his son and then fiance, spotted a scruffy man sulking in the woods as his family enjoyed a scenic moment. The man seemed impatient, as if waiting for the family to leave. Claussen and Blankenship walked back to where the stranger lurked. They actually turned in the police baton to the local gift shop. This story, I, I do want to talk a little bit about Meredith as a victim, since we're only covering one. Now, keep in mind, now remember, Gary Michael Hilton has multiple victims, but I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, Meredith. And this is a, um, a friend of hers. She's a photographer. I found this on Flickr.com. Now, this is the, uh, the search that goes on. Hundreds of people show up at the mountain when she's reported missing later that day. Obviously, they have no idea that she's been abducted. She could literally just be lost. And at night, the mountain gets below zero and it snows. It's January in these mountains. So the chance of survival is very slim. So there was a lot of searchers, over 100 searchers that guide out there. Mm. And obviously, they didn't stay very long because they figured out that she was abducted. But this is one of her friend's her close friends that was on the search. As we drew near the mountain, my hopes began to waver. The temperature had been dropping the entire time. We passed huge icicles and snow on the ground on the wavy road there. And by the time we'd gotten to the tiny store and hotel there at 7 a.m., the dash read five degrees Fahrenheit. Mm. As we stepped out, the cold air whipped down the slope and ripped the rime off the trees. My breath caught in my chest. How could anyone live in this for more than an hour? Ella, I reminded myself. She's got Ella. As we got there, the first news van, 11 Alive, pulled up. One reporter went up to the road to talk to police. The second stayed with us at the store. People were jovial and talkative. Hopes were high. Like I said, that's from her friend on Flickr, Heather L., I'll link to that on talkmer.com. Let's talk a little bit about Meredith before we go into the murder. As you're looking at now, this is her. She's the one on the right. This is a picture at the zoo, I believe, with one of her friends. And uh, she's a very beautiful woman. It's uh, extremely sad, this case. Her close friends called her Mare, M-E-R-E. She was 24. She had a roommate. She lived in Buford, B-U- F-O-R-D, which is north of Atlanta, mm -hmm. and her boyfriend, Steve Cigars. I didn't go into, I didn't look him up because I didn't think it was that important. He had nothing to do with this, obviously. And she graduated from the University of Georgia in Athens. You guys been to um, that uh, campus, right? The mm -hmm. uh, You never no. been there? No. Oh, that's the Bulldogs. UGA. Yeah, yeah UGA. So there's a, I've, I've had some pretty good fun times down there when I was in the military. She's actually from Longmont, which is a town near Denver, Colorado. So she's a Colorado native. She is a hiker through and through. So if I was going to search for her and I knew her background, I would immediately be worried because she is an experienced hiker. Mm. And uh, she enjoyed skiing, hiking. She obviously enjoyed the mountains. She graduated from UGA and started her career in marketing. Uh, she does have a MySpace page. Kind of wanted to bring back because I miss MySpace so, so much. I miss it. Do you Never know? had one. Really? Yeah. This is her MySpace. So her name is MySpace.com Right to Hike. Hmm. So you can tell she is definitely an experienced hiker. 
And the reason I'm going into this is because she, at the time, people think she's missing on the mountain, and yet she's such a hiker. So this is some of her photos right here. Mm. That's her black uh, Labrador. So cute. All right. This is from the Atlanta Constitution Journal, dated 8th of January, 2008. This is a little bit about Meredith. This is um, from her friends. She was confident, outgoing, always ready to laugh and always able to help others join her. Meredith Emerson might be gone. To those who know her, it doesn't seem real. Mm. It always seems like those who shine the brightest have their star extinguished early. She was smart, loved reading, a gorgeous girl, really positive and fun to be around. So once these hikers released to the uh, police and the media that the description of Hilton, the killer, the abductor, then there were some calls. For instance, this is his former employer, employer, right? The guy that owns the company? Yeah, employer. This is his former employer. His name is John Tabor. And I looked a little bit up about him. He owns a, uh, a siding and roofing company. So... All the jobs that Gary Michael Hilton worked at was general contractor, siding, roofing type of stuff that you would call to get your handyman coming over. Right. I um, first met him about 10 years ago. He had responded to a help wanted ad placed in a local newspaper for a telemarketing position. And he came to the office to interview. He had experience working as a telemarketer for other siding companies and some of the same line of work, and he was hired at that point. Um, he complained of being ill quite often. He told other people he was ill, that he, that he, that he even had MS, which um, I, I don't believe there was ever any clinical diagnosis of such. I think this was just these are just stories he would tell people, whether real or not. I don't know, but I know that he wasn't working. and. Uh, he still needed and he still needed and, uh, and wanted money to simply to survive. So I helped him out the best I could. He actually calls the police at 209 because he recognizes the description from what police put out to the media of the man that she was walking with, which was Hilton, obviously. So he calls the police at 209 and he gives them everything, even the dog's name Dandy. He, he drives a 2001 Chevy Astro van. He gives him his security number, his social security number. He says he likes to travel with a police baton. He says, this is 100% the guy you're looking for. His name is Gary Michael Hilton. Not only that, but at 4.30 p.m., Two hours after he calls the police, Tabor himself gets a call from Hilton asking for money. He said that he's trying to get his life in order. Now, this is after he abducted Meredith and has her hostage in his van. He calls this guy at 4.30 p.m., says he's trying to get his life in order, but he needs $700 to get his license and his tag renewed. Now, this video right here, I'm That's just going to... That's a hefty fee. Mm. Well, as you'll see, this guy, the former employer, John Tabor, actually was threatened numerous numerous times by Hilton, Hilton his former employee, demanding money and stuff like that. Um, but as time passed on into the summer, things were just getting worse, not better. He still wasn't working, and it got to the point where 
he was demanding money, not just asking for it. Even though at that point he probably had, I had probably advanced him in the neighborhood of $10,000, he, he um, demanded more. It got to the point where I told him that there was to be no more. He wasn't working. I had been discussing this with him for several months now, and he wasn't doing anything about it, and that he was going to have to move on. And at that point, he told me he wanted $10,000, period. He said, I don't care how you get it, but uh, uh, you better give it to me or else. He said, I'd take half now, and I can get the rest later. But um, he said it would be the, the easy thing to do, or else I would pay the price. And he made no mistake, and I could see from the tone of his voice that he was... Uh, in a state I had never seen him before. At first when I saw the video, I was like, this guy has no backbone. And then I was like, oh no, maybe he's just like a nice guy. And then I was like, no, he has no backbone. Yeah, I mean, he goes on in this interview to say that the police report he filed, he actually let the cops listen to several voicemails of this guy, erratic, demanding money, stuff like that. So... You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's like, I don't think he was addicted to heroin or drugs or anything. He just like did not want to work and just wanted money. You well, know, I mean, I mean, he calls this guy after he abducted Meredith and demanded 700 bucks. Yeah. You know, it's like, what the fuck? Now, I didn't dive into this guy at all, you know, but I did think it's kind of weird. Look at the video here. You see the background and then you go to his LinkedIn page, and it's uh, he's using the same photo from the background. Is that yeah, weird? Yeah. It's like literally a screenshot <laughs> from the interview. I, I Holy felt like, shit, that's awesome. I felt that was weird. That is strange, actually. It is really strange, isn't it? It's like, that's the still... best professional-looking photo you can get is from a police interview? I know, that's kind of weird, man. I, I noticed that. So, the LinkedIn profile is the, the uh, picture, the exact same picture used on the interview and he's not even smiling or anything i mean but he looks professional i don't i don't know but so it says his linkedin profile he owns insulated wall system so i'm guessing siding uh drywall stuff like that so this yeah, guy yeah. was a general kind of contractor now let's go to jen's favorite place here huddle house i've never been to a huddle house it's like a shittier version of waffle, waffle house, house if you can even do that <laughs> Like waffle, waffle House is great. Yeah. Don't diss the Waffle right. House. We never went to Waffle House as a group. So, no, there's not one in Mount Peak. Yeah, there is. All around Long Point. So when he phones oh, yeah. Tabor, he actually phones him from this Huddle House right here. Now, this particular my, Huddle this, House? This exact one. Yeah, this is 35 Foothills Parkway, Marble Hill, Georgia. Now, this is. 60 miles southwest of Blood Mountain where Meredith was abducted. So keep in mind the whole time she's in the car right now. And she stays in that car for about three days before she gets murdered. So she does go through a little bit of the Stockholm Syndrome, which we'll get into because his interview was very telling about the victims and and how they, what he said, quote, eventually submit and it makes me think if going back to what we talked about, Judy Smith, you know, why would she walk up that mountain? If you don't know what we're talking about, it was a, a lady that went missing 
and her bones were found on the Pisgah Mountains where he used to live. Because this guy lives out in mm. his van. Down literally, by the river? Literally van down by the river, yeah. I mean, literally. He lives in his van down by the river. I mean, 100%, yeah. She was in the van, and he, he'll talk about multiple times she had opportunity to escape, but there may have been some uh, psychological Stockholm Syndrome, stuff like that there at the time. And I'll play a little bit of his interview, but like I said, you do not want to watch this guy's interview. This guy will annoy the living shit out of you. But anyway, this is 60 miles southwest of Blood Mountain, and when he calls this guy, remember, they're still searching for Meredith on the mountain, but she's not there. Now, another Good Samaritan actually called from a uh, quick stop, not quick stop, quick trip gas station, you know, the QT gas stations, and they actually spotted this guy, Hilton, and his white Astro van. Now, this is a uh, the interview. The video here is from uh, Fox News. I'm going to go ahead and play the 911 call that came in when this gentleman spotted the van. He was actually... Oh, Megyn Kelly. He was actually... <laughs> yeah, is she still a banker or whatever? Not on Fox News. No, she left because Roger Ailes harassed her, but she is now with MSNBC or NBC or something. I really want to watch that movie, Bombshell. I don't think you would like it. Charlize Theron does a great job yeah. as Megyn Kelly. You almost can't even tell. Also, Nicole Kidman plays Gretchen... I was going to say wieners. And me too. <laughs> Stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. Okay, I have that one. What's the exact location? Hi, I have the, uh, the person of interest in that missing woman case is at this uh, Chevron gas station on Ashford Dunwoody. Chevron gas station at Ashford Dunwoody? Yeah. You said the man is there. The van is here. The dog is here, the red dog, and I saw the man's face, and I've been watching the news, and I know it's him. I know it's him. He's got a green uh, long sweatshirt, and he's wearing a hat, and he's emptying all this stuff out of his van. Pillows and a blanket, and it looks like he's got a sleeping bag right now. Taking it all to the trash. It's definitely and the he's looking around like he's as guilty as sin. Okay, sir, and the dumpster is at the rear of the location? Yeah, the dumpster, well, it's kind of right in the front. It's right by the car wash. Okay. I can go take him down if you want. No, sir, stay right there. Okay. Okay, hold on, sir. He looks like he's finishing up. You guys got to hurry. He's got stuffed in bags that he's emptied onto the ground, and he's taking load by load to the stir behind the car wash. Another, this is the third backpack we've seen and take to the dumpster. Oh, I'm just shaking. Do you guys, uh, is there somebody in route? Yes, sir. Here we go. Here comes the cop. Yes. Yes. Lisa Bear? Yes. Yes. They got him. They got him? I mean, they don't have him yet, but they're getting out. They got him now. Here, two cruisers pulled up on him. Unfortunately, by this time, Meredith was already dead, but this is when they finally apprehended Gary Hilton, and they finally got the stuff that was in the trash can that he dumped. They found Meredith Emerson's driver's license. They also found a fleece pullover covered with dirt, hair, and vegetation debris. That fleece had a red substance that did test positive for Meredith's blood, a blue sweatshirt that also had her blood on it, 
another sweatshirt which was saturated with blood. They also found a U.S. Forest Service warning citation issued on December 28th. This was a few days before the murder, 2007, to Gary Hilton. This was issued to him because he was driving on a closed road and camping in an unauthorized place. There was also blood on the ticket. An Atlanta newspaper was also found in the trash dated January 4th, 2007. And it had, obviously, the story that he was a part of. Mm. And there were also metal chains, bloodstained, as well as nylon rope. And he, as you're about to hear, used that to bind Meredith up. The chains and the rope? Mm -hmm. Yikes. Now, let's talk a little bit about this guy, Gary Michael Hilton, if you guys don't mind. He was born in Atlanta, November 26, 1946. He moved to Halea, Florida, when he was 12 years old. At 13, he actually shoots his stepfather. Oh, Whoa. well, that's not a good start to him. His stepfather, his name was Nilo D-Bag. What? D- <laughs> oh, my D-bag. gosh. Literally, D E. And then a big B A G D bag. D bag. Yeah, D bag. Holy shit, dude! Oh wow, D bag. That sucks, dude. That does oh, suck, man. Oh fuck, I would change my name. That's worse than uh, people named Craps. Yeah, like there was a girl worse. named uh, Craps in school. I think there was a Putin too. Also, like Richard Johnson. That's not as not bad. Not even as, not nearly. You know, I would embrace that one. As D bag, what up, D bag? I mean, what yeah. the fuck? I wonder if he grew up to be a reputable human being or if he Obviously really was a D bag. He, he's the stepfather of this asshole. That doesn't mean uh, that's not his fault. <laughs> it's not his, not his seed. So Hilton actually enrolled in Miami Springs Junior High, and quite surprisingly, he actually did very well in school. He was he's a pretty smart guy. And you can see that from the interview. Yeah, I don't want to call him dumb because he's really not. But, you know, he just decided to take a different path in life, I guess. He served in the army, which was not the smartest decision, I guess. So I guess not that smart. But um, he was actually in. Um, he was actually a paratrooper like uh, your, like yours truly. And he spent time in Georgia and jump school. I literally probably slept in the same barracks as him That's in jump crazy. school. Yeah. He actually was honorably discharged from the army. He was married a few times. When he gets out of the army, he's constantly locked up for miscellaneous stuff, drugs, burglary, possession of marijuana. I mean, solicitation. I mean, you saw he's trying to scam money from people. He was stealing books from the American Book Display Company. Here's what's really weird about this case, and I'm not going to get too much into this, but this is very interesting. This guy, Gary Michael Hilton, as you see right here, and you won't believe this, but it's true, and I'm going to show you. He actually helped produce a movie. Really? What kind yeah. of movie? Want a Pornhub's Finest? <laughs> not Pornhub's Finest. It's basically his manifesto. What? So when he was arrested, they tried to automatically give him an attorney. They don't want to ask, do you want an attorney or, or wait for him to say it? 
And the reason they do that, and I didn't know this at the time, but Meredith is still out there. She may still be alive. So when he's arrested, they don't know where she's at or if she's dead. So they offer him an attorney right off the bat so they can get him talking and rescue Meredith. Mm. That's how that works. Okay. Because I was like, really, I was like, why would they offer him an attorney right off the bat? I thought they usually don't do that. But that's why they did that. Anyway, he had a public defender, but another guy walks into the jail station claiming to be this guy's attorney for like the last decade. Really? And, <laughs> yeah. and this guy, so in 1995, a movie called Deadly Run was being produced. Now, this attorney that walks in and claims he was Hilton's attorney for the last 10 years, he was also a movie producer. And this is before the murders, completely before the murders. And may, maybe Gary Hilton has murdered before that, but we, I guess we'll never know. But he wants to produce a movie, and Gary Michael Hilton at the time was living in uh, Atlanta. He was actually living in a storage um, space, like one of those rent he the was storage space. Living in a storage yeah, space? Yeah, like Kramer. Remember he was <laughs> remember Kramer was living in there for a while. <laughs> yeah, I turned on my TV last night and the first thing that popped up was the soup Nazi episode. And I was like, yes, you never catch this episode on TV. Yeah. So he was living in a storage space and this shady ass attorney named Samuel Rael. I mean, literally Shay Queen. If you watched. Um, <laughs> yes, I love that you use that word again. I am so excited. If you that watch. You... Um, He's used it before. The yes. girl from, we had a discussion about how he made that word and we were excited that he used it. If you watch the uh, Breaking Bad and he's got another show, but that attorney. Oh, Better know, Call Saul. Better Call Saul. That's this guy. Yeah. <laughs> literally. So think about this guy. He g- hooks up with Hilton, who is living in a storage container. <laughs> Tiny homes expert. I mean, he has the van down by the river and a storage unit. Holy shit, he's living in a storage. <laughs> hey, rent is cheap. Holy shit. What is it, like 100 bucks a month or something? He goes up to this guy, Hilton, and says, hey, I want to produce a movie called Deadly Run. What well, he says, I want to produce a movie. And Gary Michael Hilton's like, I got the perfect plot. And he says, <laughs> let me tell you my life story. He says, quote, and we'll watch a little bit of the scenes if you want. Quote, let some beautiful women out in the woods and then they could be hunted down like prey. (laughs) It's like the most dangerous game. That is literally the manifesto of this Oh my gosh. That's literally what he was doing in real life. You know? No wonder. I mean... Who who ended up like what was the production company? Was was it released? Dude, this movie has like negative one stars. Hmm. Hold on. Let me show you the IMDb. So this is the movie that Gary Michael Hilton helped produce right here. And it's really awesome. You Wait, guys, let's read a description, please. Wait, respected and very wealthy Atlanta, Georgia realtor Bobby Wilson has a wife, son and daughter, but does some things unknown to them. He has a cabin on a rural track 200 miles to the north. And that's all it says. All right. So that's a little bit about Gary Hilton. And obviously he's killed before that. But like I said, in this episode, we're not going to go through those murders specifically if you want to read this this is a a quote by him reaching out them gets their cooperation 
Because now you're making yourself a person to them instead of a monster. You're just making them see you as just a guy who maybe has a screw loose. All right, here is him at the ATM right here. Uh, Is that a mask? No, it's like a trash bag, I think. So here's basically what happened. He abducts Meredith, puts her in his van. Now, this is in broad daylight, and there were witnesses around, obviously, so he's not trying that hard. Mm. But on January 1st, 7.05 p.m. 2008, he makes his uh, first attempt at the Appalachian Community Bank in Blairsville, Georgia. He's got Meredith hostage. He's demanding her PIN number, and for three days, she is giving him false PIN numbers. So he drove her around for the next three days, and she kept doing this PIN number thing where she wouldn't give him because it makes sense. I mean, once he's got the PIN number, you're no good to him anymore. Mm. So, and that's all he wants is he just wants money. I mean, he called multiple people after this demanding money. At 9.31 p.m. and at 9.45 p.m., he made seven more attempts at the Bank of America in Gainesville, Georgia. Again, wrong PIN number. January 2nd, the region's bank in Canton, which was 80 miles southwest of the trail. So he is going southwest towards Florida. And if you see the photo here, go talkmer.com. This is he is trying to hide his face here with a uh, just a random bag. This is from the Atlanta Constitution dated 1st of February 2008. This talks about the actual murder of Meredith right here. On her final night of captivity, Emerson was tied to a tree in Dawson Forest Wildlife Management Area. She died January 4th from repeated blows to the head from the handle of a carjack. Oh, no. So January 4th, he takes her into the woods at Dawson Forest, ties her to a tree, which Dawson Forest, this area that she was found in actually used to be a um, like an old nuclear uh, site for a hmm. nuclear factory. So he ties her to the tree. She can't move, obviously. And then he just repeatedly beats her over the head with a carjack handle. This is before the murder, obviously, when he was demanding her pin number. I got her around to the tree, but she wasn't yelling anymore. I said, honey, don't worry. I've got your pin number in card. If I was going to hurt you, I'd hurt you. We had to go through some really thick stuff, cross a really steep ravine, a drainage ditch and stream at the bottom. And then, across country straight down to the parking lot, I put a little line around her neck just like a leash, and that's the only way she was secured. When he's talking about I put a line around her neck, if you watch the interview, he's saying this is after a few days she has began to submit to him. This is what he claims. And that he just tied a little leash around her neck and she really wasn't constrained. She was just going through that um, Stockholm Syndrome and, you know, her captor type of thing. I'm not really 100% sure about that. He also told her that he had a gun, which he did not. They only found a, uh, a knife and the police baton. She was unsecured, totally unsecured, except just I put a, a loop line around her neck and just like a leash, like a dog's leash, and that's the only way she was secured. Okay. And I told her that I had a gun and that, you know, I was going to shoot her ass. Now, I didn't have a gun, but I had a speedy pistol look like a gun. According to him, he claims that she could have gotten away if she wanted. This is from his attorney, 
his real attorney, not that quack, uh, McNeil. McNeil, his attorney, said Hilton is remorseful but decided not to address Emerson's parents in court because anything he could say would be hollow and empty. He realizes what he has done to the family, McNeil said. He realizes what a special person Meredith was. She actually did fight him in the beginning until she wasn't able to anymore, Durag told reporters after the court hearing. Added McNeil, she was absolutely a hero. She did everything she possibly could to survive. Now, I'll put this in here not to make you think that he's remorseful because he's 100% not remorseful, as you're about to see in the interview he he just says what he has to to make people think a certain way. He's not remorseful. Um, and, I mean, he's just, I don't know, man. A dick. Yeah, basically, yeah. A D-bag, technically. Now, here's the story according to his uh, interview. Both Meredith and him met on the Appalachian Trail in Union County. This was New Year's Day, obviously. They started walking together because they both had the dogs and the dogs kind of uh, bonded there. He actually couldn't keep up with her and started to fall behind a little bit. But then he kind of intercepts her on the way down a hill. He produces a military style Bowie knife, which I'm putting a picture of that evidence on talkmar.com and demands her ATM card. Immediately, Meredith starts fighting back and... And I obviously really wish this went a different way because she's actually a black belt. Oh, wow. And she immediately saw the knife and disarmed this guy. But eventually he got the upper hand. But even he admits in the interrogation that she almost got the upper hand on him. She almost got my hands. She damn sure did. I lost control of both of them, uh, both the knife and the bat. Showed her the knife's grab the fucking, it's a bayonet, so it's dull shit anyway. All it is is a spike to stick with, you know, it's not a slasher. Grab the bayonet and somehow I lost control of the bayonet and, and lost it, period. And it went down. I pulled the bat and deployed it. Grab that! I mean, it was not my finest hour. She actually grabs the uh, knife blade and then that's when he pulls out the baton. If he didn't have the baton, I believe it would have went completely different. Hilton says, quote, I had to hand fight her. She wouldn't stop. She would not stop fighting and yelling at the same time. So I needed both to control and silence her. Then he keeps punching her in the face, fractures her nose, and eventually she gets worn down. And he finally says, listen, stop, stop. Please be quiet. All I'm wanting to do is rob you. And if you watch the interview, that was his M.O. He's trying to just assure them, reassure them that they're not going to be harmed. And he just wants to get their money, which was not the case at all. He's just saying that, obviously. Um, Did he sexually assault her? Yeah, I knew you were going to ask that. That's a good question. According to him, because of the PIN number, and this is according to him, because of the PIN number debacle where she was giving him the false pin numbers he was angry quote angry and he raped her the first night but most likely he raped her every night i would imagine mm. um he did admit to raping her the first night but i mean why i mean why why, why like take yeah. anything this guy says for truth so yeah he she did get raped um if you want to read this this is from the gary michael hilton 
there comes a point when they fight and they submit, and a lot of that is because of me. I reassure them. I reassure them that it's going to be okay. But, you know, the advice to people that they're abducted is to engage your abductor and to make yourself a person to them and not have them think of you as an object. To engage them, to tell them your name, to tell them about yourself, tell them about your family, tell them about what you tell your abductor that, you know, tell them what you study, what your dreams and hopes and plans and schemes are, and, and try to engage them and make yourself a person rather than an object because the abductor is psychopathic. He's looking at you in a in, in human way. You want to make yourself a human. It was always me. It was always me engaging them. First thing I ask them is, uh, what kind of music do you like? What's your favorite song? What do you do for work? Where did you go to school? What he's talking about right now is during the second and third day, he claims that she was submissive to him. Don't worry, because she, she by then knew the procedure for packing and unpacking the van. And she would help me, you know, and how we would do it, and, you know, et cetera, what, what went where. She, she knew it all, and she would help me. And, but I said, hey, now just grab it and throw it in, grab it. And she just, man, was really going crazy. So when they would stop at a gas station and someone would see them, they would both start throwing stuff in the van so they can leave quickly. That's what he claims. So he's saying she was working really hard to make sure they get out of there on time. This is basically saying that this is him saying that she was completely submissive to him. Now, you got to take this guy for what he says is a grain of salt. You can't really believe, you know, we don't know this for truth. Wow. You can see right there watching four and a half hours of that is a pain. Yeah. Um, he just will not shut the fuck up at all i mean he talks about everything he tells about evolution and the reason for life and these guys are just sitting there like what Ugh. the fuck you know um but that's a little bit about the interrogation i am embedding that on talkmore.com for you guys what was his sentence so he was sentenced to life in prison for georgia and the reason they did that they actually took the death penalty off the table in exchange for meredith's body and the reason they, they really did that, because I know a lot of people are like, oh, I wish they didn't do that, is because, as I didn't get into, he was convicted for killing other people once in Florida and North Carolina. So they were banking on those two states putting the death penalty on him. Let me see. Yeah, Let that makes see. sense. Mm -hmm. In 2008, Gary Hilton was charged for life in prison. That was for the murder of Meredith Emerson. He was also sentenced to four life sentences wow. in North Carolina for the murder of John and Irene Bryant, which we didn't talk about. And in 2011, he received the death penalty in Florida wow. for the murder of Cheryl Dunlap. So right now he is currently on death row in Union CI. And obviously there's no possibility that he'll be paroled and he is currently on death row right now mm. so this is his inmate population uh request form right here he looks fucking evil yeah, he really does wow and you see that it says uh current release date death sentence so he's been on death row for almost 10 years yeah wow that's how it takes a long time so they um 
I know. I Isn't know. that kind of like not just? I don't know. Like, not that it's a good thing or a bad thing. It's just kind of crazy how long it takes. Yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting because, like, when they do death sentences, they don't they don't really use the. Do they still use the chair or is it all lethal injection now? I think it's all lethal. Like, is that the most humane way to kill someone? There, there might be a few states that still do the chair. Like, I w- don't know this for sure, but I f- would feel like. Texas probably either still uses or only recently changed it, I think. One thing did come out of this, a new privacy act dedicated to Meredith. On March 29th, 2010, the Meredith Emerson Memorial Privacy Act was signed into law. And I didn't get into this, but in Georgia at the time, before this privacy act came out, There was no restrictions on crime scene photos. So if you use the Freedom of Information Act, you could have access to those crime scene photos. And remember, as we talked about, she was decapitated. Mm. Those photos, which are not public, but were about to be. A big concern came up with this case. A guy named Fred Rosen. And when I saw his name, I was like, I know that guy. He is a true crime writer, even though he hasn't written anything notable. If you want to go back to the Grady Styles Lobster Boy case, oh uh, yeah, we actually used I actually used his book as some of my reference points in that story, and that's the only one. But he came out and requested the crime scene photos so he can make them public. Now that's not necessarily a showstopper. I mean that happens all the time with media, but. He was also requesting this for his current employment, which was the Hustler magazine. Oh. Very weird. Yeah. And he's requesting it on behalf of the Hustler magazine. And after he requests that, the judge came out and the uh, the lead detective, the one that wrote the book, he says there's no way we can there's no way we can allow this yeah. these to be public and be obtained by a guy that works for Hustler yeah. which is if you guys don't know it's a porn mag magazine that's the guy that that's owned by um the guy with this in a wheelchair right he got shot by a serial killer yeah um i want to do that story this guy i can't ah. what's this guy's name man the guy that owns Hustler hold on one second Larry Flint. So Larry Flint, the hustler guy, the guy that owns Hustler. And I don't know the story, but he was shot by a serial killer or something to that effect. And I didn't go through the story yet. So I'm, you know, I only know the basics. But yeah, he ended up in a wheelchair. He's paralyzed. Wow. For that. But anyway, long story short, Hustler was requesting these death photos of Meredith. And so they put a stop to that. So I am putting some of the evidence photos, for instance, the army style dagger he used, some of the blood stains from where the remains were, some of the bone fragments, stuff like that, and the victim profile photos and stuff like that. And I'm putting those on talkmore.com. So if you're following the story, be sure to go there and see those. But that is the story of Gary Michael Hilton in relation to the Meredith Hope Emerson story. And like I said, I didn't go through all the victims. I just wanted to focus on her individually. Mm. What do you guys think? Sad story, but very intriguing. Yeah. 
But that's all I have with that story. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I have been doing a lot of requests lately, and we got a new Talkos Primo in. Thank you so much. If you would like to request your own story, it's very simple. Go to talkmer.com slash join. The membership fee is $47. It's a one-time fee, not recurring or anything else. It's just $47 one time. Request your story. You can be part of our our private forum, our private Facebook group, and you can talk to us directly. And um, that's all I have for this story. So be sure to tune in. So be sure to subscribe if you haven't. And uh, there you go. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button on whatever podcasting app you use. If you like this story, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you're absolutely obsessed with this podcast and want to become our toothless mountain man, go to talkmer.com slash join. Become a Talkos Primo. Get a badass t-shirt, sticker swag, a lot of love. Shout it out all over the place. Tell me what story you want me to do. I'll research it, dedicate it to you right here on the Talk Murder Me podcast. My name is John here with Jen and Nicole. And until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people.